Hey everybody, this is Gene Troyer. I'm the lead pastor of Restore Church. And what a pleasure it is to welcome you to our podcast. It's my hope that you will be marked by love and encouraged in your faith and inspired to become all God has created you to be. Now I invite you to lean in and enjoy the podcast. Years ago, the National Restaurant Association adopted the, 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 the line, we're glad you're here. We're glad you're here. I spent 15 plus years in the hospitality industry and uh, have, I thought I would do that the rest of my life. Like I loved it. It was kind of just part of who I was. And it, uh, it was just, uh, it was a career path that I thought I would uh, never, I just thought it was the thing I was gonna do. And uh, obviously it's not the thing I kept doing. Some of you uh, don't know this, but we're sort of in the hospitality industry still. Brenda and I are, we have an Airbnb at our house. Uh, it's called the Guest House on 29. Um, if you want to stay there, just Google it, Guest House on 29. If you have friends coming into town, send them our way. So that's just a little ad there. Like, I probably should pay for that, right? Uh, Brendan and I still like, well, I shouldn't, I shouldn't say she does. I kind of dream about having a line of boutique hotels, like in select cities around the Midwest. It's kind of a, a dream that I have. Um, it may go unfulfilled, but it doesn't keep me from thinking about what it might be like, right? Well, open house, what does that really mean? Open house. Well, uh, maybe you think of graduation open houses since you probably went to a whole bunch of them this last uh, season here. We went to a number of graduation open houses. What do, you, what do you think about when you think about open houses, but that people are welcoming you in, right? They're opening the door. They're saying, hey, we're glad you're here. Open house, open house. It's all about hospitality. If you're in real estate, you know, you might, you might plant a sign out in front of a house you're selling. Well, maybe in the previous market. Now you don't even have time for an open house. You just sell the house, right? It doesn't even need an open house. But hospitality as an industry um, includes like food and beverage, travel and tourism, lodging and recreation. Uh, hospitality is, is from, the word hospitality is from the Latin root, the root word of, of Latin, which is hospice, meaning like host or guest or stranger. You might also think of words like uh, hospital, hostel, uh, like as in a hostel, not in a hostel situation, but a hostel that you stay in. You might think of hospice or hotel. But the biblical form of hospitality was most always oriented toward the stranger. Because we think of hospitality sometimes as, well, I'm going to throw a party and I'm going to have all my friends come and we're going to have a great time together. But that's not typically what the Bible would speak to. Normally it is hospitality was being oriented toward the stranger. But hospitality, it's way more than an industry. If you think about the, 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 the characteristics of hospitality, you'll find that it is, um, it's in our DNA as humans we need hospitality because the elements would include things like uh, the things that we long for, the things that we need, like we like to be known. 
We like to know and be known. And it's deeper than just a like. It's a need. We, we need this. We need to be known. We want to know others. Have you ever thought about the significance of your name? What it means to you when somebody says your name. If you meet them for the first time and you see them a week later and they remember your name, what does that do to you? What does that do? Conversely, what does it do to you when you've been someplace, you've worked in a place, for example, for a year and the boss comes through and says, hey, you, still doesn't know your name. How significant and important do you feel in that moment? We need to be valued. We need to be appreciated. We need to be loved and cared for. These are all critical and important elements of our human experience that if we don't have them, if they're absent, it'll result in a whole host of issues. Issues like that show up physically, emotionally, and behaviorally. See, great hospitality embraces all of these basic needs and serves them up. Now, when we have experiences, I've already pointed to them, but when we have experiences that are the direct opposite of what we've just said are the ideals of hospitality, we can quickly differentiate them, right? In this case, like when we have an authentic experience with hospitality, we can quickly see that when you walk in somewhere, which I just had this experience this week, I walked in somewhere and they, uh, they were in the payables department. Those are the people I was talking to. And you'd think they would like want to try to help me be at ease about this conversation. But instead I got the very bare minimum. They looked at me. <laughs> That's all I got. I got no, no, uh, warmth at all. There was no smile. It was uh, barely got eye contact. These are all things that point to an experience that is lacking in hospitality. Horst Schulze is a German entrepreneur who's, he was one of the founders of the Ritz-Carlton. And he, he teaches, uh, he's, he's, been in, he's been in the hotel industry since he was a, he's never done anything else that I'm aware of. He's been in it since he was a young kid. He grew up in Germany, has a very strong German accent when you hear him talk. And he says uh, to his busboys, so the lowest kind of, if you figure it out, like the entry level positions at his hotels and all the way up through management, they all have the ability to fix a negative situation at the, at the Ritz-Carlton up to $2,000 per guest they can spend. No questions asked. If there's an issue, the, the employee must say something along the lines of, please forgive me, let me fix this for you. And seriously, he allows up to $2,000 per guest to be spent to fix that issue. That's the significance of the, of the hospitality uh, culture of his hotels. The other thing he does is he says in his strong German accent, he says, we are, and he says this to the busboys, to the dishwashers, to the maids that serve the rooms, everyone alike, when they get trained, they have a, a value in their culture that is, we are ladies and gentlemen, he says, serving ladies and gentlemen. 
If you come to work, he says, and, and you deliver excellence, you are caring, you are respectful, then you are a lady and a gentleman. Therefore, even though we have very, very important people walking through these doors, we have very important people. They are ladies and gentlemen coming to stay at the hotel. You don't have to think of yourself as a servant, but think of yourself as a lady and a gentleman serving ladies and gentlemen. Do you see what happens in your thought process when you begin to think at that level? He knows that if you change your mind, you change your life. He knows that a renewed mind means a renewed life. A renewed mind means a change of direction. Well, around here, here at Restore, uh, when you walk in the front door, you see a sign on the wall. What does it say? Anybody see it this morning? Did anyone hear the words welcome home when you walked through the doors or during the greeting this morning? Okay, you're nodding your heads. That's great. That's great. That is not original with us. The welcome home sign out front, the, the, the verbiage, the greetings that we give, the welcome home, hey, we're glad you're here. That's not original with us. We saw some other church do it, and that church probably saw someone else do it. And the truth is the church has been doing something of this in this form for the last 2,000 years. The church has been intentional about welcoming and making room, making room. They've been in, we've been intentional about saying, we're glad you're here. Now, uh, what you might know, not know, unless you're a part of a serve team here at Restore, is that every Sunday morning we gather in the lounge and we huddle together as a serve team. And we have a few minutes where we pray together, we talk together, we talk about what's happening, and we remind each other of what's important. What's important? Now, you may not know this, but if you are on a serve team here, and this may detract some of you from actually joining a serve team because you don't get to park in the parking lot. So not only are you here early on Sunday morning, you're actually here early and you have to walk to get here. You can't just park in the parking lot. That's why there might be 30, 40 people in the building and the parking lot's empty. It's because we're making room. We're intentional about saying, our guests are important. Our guests need the door open for them. Not because they can't physically do it, but because there is a higher standard of welcome and hospitality that we're putting into play. These front seats, they're not so filled this morning, but often you'll see people come in that are serving and they'll sit in the front. If you are serving, here's another disadvantage. I'm not doing a good job of selling you on serving this morning, am I? except I'm pointing to heart change about what it means to serve and to give up ourselves for the other. Because you may be asked, like since COVID is, is, has happened, there's plenty of seats in the space. But if and when, well, not if, when the time comes, because we believe that this place is going to be filled to capacity at some point in the near future, that's what we're believing for. So. Since we believe that, we also tell our, those that are serving that if someone from the host team comes to you and says, I need that spot, you're actually gonna have to move. 
You're gonna have to get up out of your seat because we've got someone else that isn't serving, isn't part of our, our, our church on a weekly basis, isn't part of our, our normal gathering that may choose to be part of our normal gathering because we've made room for them. So you may get a seat that isn't quite as good as the one you're sitting in this morning. Sometimes we think that, oh, we've got the edge on the market. We're the ones that say, welcome home. When in truth, that's not true. Recently, somebody sent me a picture. They were at Constant Spring downtown on Main Street. And back on their sign against the wall, after they reopened, this was right after COVID, they reopened, and it's still there actually. It says, welcome home, you belong here. Sometimes we think we're the first ones on the block to actually figure something out. Not so much that way. They're in the hospitality industry. They too are creating space for people. Now, the temptation sometimes is to have ulterior motives when it comes to opening our doors and being very welcoming. Sometimes we need to be reminded that in order for this to actually work, it has to come from someplace deep within us. It can't just be the thing we say so that we get more people in the door. That's not why we do it. We do it to make room. We, make, we do it to uh, allow others to experience the beauty of, of, of this experience with Jesus. See, we can, we can do this to, to, to gain a platform. We can be welcoming and hospitable to gain notoriety, for, to gain power for ourselves. But religion, religion that is, that is pure in the eyes of God, Ministry, spirituality that is pure in the eyes of God makes a difference in the lives of the fatherless, the homeless, and loveless, and doesn't let the values of the world corrupt. I don't know if you guys know David French, but he's a journalist, and, uh, and I'm on his uh, email list, and he usually has a very well-rounded perspective on um, the world at large and what is happening in the world of politics and so on. And so I try to stay tuned in and try to hear, listen to voices that uh, give me a perspective that isn't slanted right or left, but more middle of the road. And he says this, um, he's actually quoting someone else, but he writes, in recent years, we've been confronted with a key question. If the United States of America is the most powerful and most prosperous nation in the history of the world, and it is, then why are so many of its people so miserable and angry? Until the pandemic shock and the turmoil of 2020, for example, we were experiencing rising incomes, low crime rates, increased employment, relative global peace, and furious partisan hate and rage. Yet, as much as we want our nation to... Uh, want our nation or our communities, we don't want our nation and our communities to be weak and poor. Ultimately, so this will be food for thought and dinner conversation, right? Ultimately, he says, we were not created for power and prosperity. We were created for community and fellowship. Humans weren't created for power and prosperity, but instead for community and fellowship. Now, I had to think about that for a bit. And I sort of agree with that statement, except that when it comes to our spiritual life, let me just tell you, you were created for power and prosperity. Power and prosperity. You were not created for weakness and poverty when it comes to your spiritual life. But never equate 
your spiritual power and prosperity with your social standing. That's where we get conflicted and confused sometimes. We think that if we are, if we are blessed, then we have financial prosperity. Then we have physical health. Then we have peace in our world. That's not always the case. That's not always the case. An open house is inconvenient because an open house indicates that we are for the other. And it can feel like, well, what about me? What about me? The beauty of being about the other, though, is that our own needs, and we tell this to young couples sometimes when we're doing premarital, we'll say, yeah, you'll, you'll, you think sometimes that, uh, what about me? But if you, if you are for the other, if you are for your spouse, if you look out for their good, then you'll find your own needs being met. While we're on the subject of welcome home, let me also uh, remind you of something else. Do you ever say, hmm, this smells like home? Are there certain things that you equate with home? Like, like my first job was uh, frying. No, it was, I was a busboy first, but then I, I, I moved up in the rank and became a chicken fryer at the Essenhaus. That was my first job. And, and I, tell you, I, I tell you to this day, after 11 a.m. when lunch starts at the Essenhaus, if I happen to drive past the Essenhaus and get a whiff of the chicken, because you can smell it outside, I get a whiff of that, immediately I am frying up tons, and I bet I fried tons of chicken there. I'm frying up that chicken. Like, that's where my head goes immediately. There are these triggers. You know that, that out of the five senses, the sense of smell is the one that triggers a memory the fastest. Our other senses, they, tend, they, they have these little, I'm not in the medical field, all right? But I do know that it has to go through some other channels in order to get to the brain and the sense of smell, the olfactory thingamabob right here, that thing captures the smell and goes directly to the brain. And so it's a whole lot faster than any other, other senses. And so, I don't know, do you smell anything right now? Take a deep breath in. Okay, it might be your middle school boy, I don't know, but that's not what we intended. We just sprayed the scent that you usually sp smell. We just sprayed that from the balcony. I don't know if you're catching that or not. See, there are certain things, I'm telling secrets this morning that aren't really secrets. Some of us have incredibly negative experiences when it comes to a church home. And if you ever have a negative experience here, that smell will trigger a negative response. Our hope is that when you smell that scent, you immediately go to restore church in your mind. And you immediately think about, oh, what is Jesus doing in my life right now? The sense of, the sense of smell can trigger all kinds of memories. We hope that that triggers a good one for you. 
So if you're new to Restore, if this is uh, one of your first times here, maybe you're new to the faith, maybe you're still deciding, what do I do with all this? What do I do with church? What do I do with my lack of, or what do I do with my relationship with Jesus? Do I really belong? That's a question we often ask. Uh, What value can I bring to the table? Uh, What do I have to do? What do I have to do if I'm part of something like this? And do they really want me here? Do they really value me? And a lot of us have asked the question, did God really come to make room for me? Well, and that's why I want to point us to this morning just briefly with uh, some scripture because hospitality started with God. This isn't a new thing for us. It is part of our DNA. It's, we were created in the image of God. The image of God says, hey, you need some hospitality. God, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, three in one, the triune God, they were in relationship from the very beginning. And he created us, created us for relationship. So he created earth and he welcomes us into it. He says, I'm glad you're here. So let's turn to Genesis 1, starting in verse 3. And we'll just look at the creation count for a second. He says, God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God saw that the light was good. And then he separated the light from the darkness. God called the light day and the darkest night. And evening passed and morning came, marking the first day. Then God said, Let there be a space between the waters to separate the waters of the heavens from the waters of the earth. And that is what happened. God made this space to separate the waters of the earth from the waters of the heavens. God called the space sky. And evening passed, morning came, marking the second day. Now fast forward to the sixth day. In verse 26, God said, let us make human beings in our image to be like us. They will reign over the fish in the sea, the birds of the sky, the livestock, all the wild animals on the earth, and the small animals that scurry along the ground. So God created human beings in his own image. In the image of God, he created them. Male and female, he created them. Then God blessed them and said, be fruitful and multiply. Fill the earth and govern it. Rain over the fish in the sea, the birds in the sky, and all the animals that scurry along the ground. See, the hospitality of God is already visible in this account in Genesis of the creation. The hospitality of God is, is unmerited. In other words, we didn't do anything to deserve the hospitality of God. It is simply given as a free gift. Before we were, God was. When we were still in God's imagination, He was making provision. He was making a place. He was creating a space. If you think about it, we, before we were, were already incredibly wealthy. We were wealthy beyond measure because God had his eye on the future as he was creating. He was creating a future of relationship, a future of knowing and being known. He knows my name, and he knows your name. He's into the details. Scripture tells us he knows every, every hair that is on our head. Those are the words of Jesus pointing to the value of the individual human. 2,000 years ago, Jesus, Jesus told his disciples what he's still saying to us today. In John 14, he's trying to help his disciples process the events that are coming up 
the events of the crucifixion, his death, his resurrection. He's trying to prep their hearts for this. And he says what he says to us, let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, believe also in me. And then he goes and says, in my father's house are many mansions. In my father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you to myself that where I am there you may be also. So even now, even then and even now, the hospitality of God in Christ is like no other. I, I, I sometimes think of God as the, like he's the perfect maitre d' at a restaurant. The perfect maitre d' at a restaurant is not in your space. He is not like forcing you to do anything. He may come up and he may, may I help you? He may say, how can I, what can I get for you? But he'll step back. The, the thing that Jesus does sometimes, he simply, he simply knocks. He doesn't push the door open. He shows an immense amount of restraint. Because he has the power, he holds all things. He has the power to open that door, push his way in, but he doesn't. He doesn't. But if you, if you say, oh, I uh, need some help over here, You don't have to say anything. And he's there. Showing you hospitality. Showing you the care that you're looking for. I had a friend who, would, when she was talking about something, and she would she'd be trying to convince me of something, she would say, do you see? Do you see? That was sort of her way of saying, do you understand? Like, do you agree with what I'm saying? Do you see? And Augustine I, I, I agree with him when he says, well, some of us say seeing is believing. Yep. So she says, do you see? Do you see? Uh, no, I don't see. I don't believe because seeing is believing. But Augustine would point us to this, uh, this idea that sometimes we have to believe in order to see. Sometimes we have to believe in order to see. C.S. Lewis says, I believe in Christianity as I believe that the sun is risen, not only because I see it, but because by it I see everything else. Do you see? Do you see the hospitality in the work of Christ in our lives? Do you see the hospitality that God showed even in creation? I wonder what it looks like for you to practice open house. What does it look like in your personal life, in your work life, in your life in the community? What does it look like for you to practice open house? What does it look like for you to say, hey, I'm glad you're here. I'm glad you're here. Because it's a, it's a way of thinking. It's a way of communicating and loving the other. It requires us, it requires us to take our eyes off of ourselves and place them firmly on Jesus and others. I know sometimes it takes a while for this teaching, for this perspective, or 
anything for that matter, to, to get deep enough into us that we actually begin to do it automatically. Um, have you guys ever, like I asked this question the other day to our staff, who all has hauled manure? Like who's actually like hauled manure? Does anyone else besides, there's two of us that have hauled manure. Anyone else? Oh, the balcony's full of manure haulers. <laughs> when you put manure, if you're hauling it out, and you're putting it on, especially horse manure, man, that is hard stuff to intertwine with straw. It is awful. So it's hard work. You put it on your garden. And see, sometimes when you do that, the hard work is really worth it because come springtime, the results are really evident. The long, hard winter, the wet spring allows for those nutrients to go into the earth and the resulting foot-long carrots and, you know, probably zucchini the size of submarines, that's like the result of those nutrients coming into the soil. Some of us need the experience of horse manure in our spiritual life. Some of us need that experience in order for us to actually realize how important this conversation this morning really is, how important it is, how you associate with those around you. Because when we, when we allow that soaking to happen through the difficult times, through the wet seasons, through those seasons that are bleak and, um, you know, the Indiana permacloud, all of that. Think about that in terms of your spiritual vitality and what happens if you allow those times to let this conversation, your spiritual vitality, gaining nutrition. The end result is a vastly different way of thinking, speaking, and living than if you don't allow for that. Poet Lucy Shaw says, God's relationship with us surrounds us like a house. Think about that. God's relationship with us surrounds us like a house. It is essential, the frame and backdrop for all thinking and being and doing. We are at home in the divine presence in a way that is deeper than consciousness. Because check it, check this out. Jesus in us, he said, I am in you and you are in me. 1 Corinthians 3, he says, don't you know that you, so this is very individual, don't you know that you are the temple of the living God? In Ephesians 2, he says something to all of us, we. In him, you two are being built together, all of us, together, to becoming a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit, together. It's easy to stay individual, to be very me-centric, and even when we step into this place, you know, COVID came and went, and we still have a hard time moving from, and I'm not, I mean, this is true for all of us, we still have a hard time moving from how we interacted with each other during COVID, when it was at its peak, to now. Um, even the thing of Skittles moment, 
enjoy the Skittles. And we're reluctant to share, aren't we? We're reluctant to get out of our seats and interact with each other. That's the sort of thing we wanna keep encouraging. We have dinner parties coming up. We have crews coming up after that. These are all ways to show hospitality to each other, to get into relationship, to get to know each other on a deeper level. Finally, I wanna tell you about Starbucks. Who was at Starbucks this week? A few. Okay, okay. Starbucks has a value that says we are a third place. So home is first place, work is second place. Starbucks value is that they become third place. It's an environment, and this is straight off their website, it's an environment where everyone is welcome and we can gather as a community to share great coffee and deepen human connection. The third place is a warm and welcoming place outside of our homes and our workspaces where we can connect and build community. We think of the third place as a mindset, a feeling of comfort that uplifts customers everywhere and in every way they experience Starbucks. And the third place has never been more relevant than now as communities seek to reconnect and heal. Now the church used to be that third place. We have coffee that definitely rivals Starbucks. We embrace the spirit of Almighty God. We have space for you, your family, your friends, to create a place that is comfortable and warm and welcoming. We find it so much easier, don't we? You guys up there, you find it so much easier, don't you, to invite someone to Starbucks rather than to church. So do I. That's normal. We have a lot more baggage around church than we do about Starbucks. You don't have somebody up front talking to you at Starbucks. I hope you get over the fear of what's he gonna say? What's he gonna say to offend the friend that I bring? I hope you have a comfort level with knowing that when we say welcome home around here, that is for real. Like it is not something we say so that you'll buy another coffee. By the way, our coffee's free, so it makes it that much better too. We have an agenda here. We have an agenda. We have an agenda that points to the fact that Jesus is freedom. Jesus gives us life. Jesus gives us everything that we need for a life that is fulfilling and joy-filled, for a life that is healed and whole. 
That's what we believe. That's our agenda. But all are welcome. Hospitality. It's a need that we have deep within our human spirit. It's not fulfilled by the Holiday Inn or our favorite brew pub, but it is fulfilled by the God that created us. God made room for us. He made room for us. He prepares a table. He invites us in. He welcomes us home. It's our belief that his place is an open house. Would you stand with me? Father, we thank you that it is only because of you that we could possibly even manage to say things that are as crazy as we want to be a place where all are welcome. It is only due to your spirit in us that we put aside our own selfish ambition and turn our face towards you, toward the cross where you died and rose and, and, and then rose again for us, continually making room for us. Even now, you prepare a place for us. You've said if it wasn't so, uh, then you would have told us. But you do. You go and prepare a place for us. And it's our belief, God, around here, we believe that that place is right here, right now. We get to step into an eternal relationship with you, not someday, but right now. We get to experience what it means to live fully in your presence. But it is true, God, that even now we see things dimly. And that when we pass from this life to the next, then we will see complete fullness. So God, would you just uh, continue to do what you've been doing in this place, in this community of faith? Continue to draw us to yourself. Refine us. Continue just the redemption and restoration process that so many of us in, are in. The journey that we're on, God, we are grateful for it. And we step into these next moments and this next week with the confidence of knowing that you say to us, I'm glad you're here. You have value. You have, you have my presence within you. And it is in you that I am, I am uh, so pleased. Strengthen us, God, for the days ahead. In the name of Christ, amen. Thanks for joining us for today's episode. Please rate and review us on Spotify and iTunes and join us again for next week's podcast. We love you and pray blessing and peace over you and your family.